You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Before you judge a man, walk a mile in his shoes. Give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, and you feed him for his lifetime. But what's the point? Party on seafood? I mean, sometimes. But today, we learn about the CCG's meaning for these idioms. Service. Our guest today is one of our own CCG coordinators, Dr. Candy LaPan. She is our coordinator of service learning and community engagement, and today she will be talking about what service learning is, how it works, and why it's important. Hello, I am Lacey Ritter, Recruitment and Project Development Coordinator and Assistant Professor in the Sociology Department. And I'm Kathy Wright. I direct the CCG, and I'm Associate Professor in the Religion Department, and this is Against the Grain. Today's episode will focus on the nuts and bolts of the CCG. You're going to learn a little bit more about our work in the CCG and the various roles that our members fill within the organization to work with the power of we to better the lives of Eastern Union County residents. Our guest speaker today is Candy LaPan. We are excited to discuss her role in the CCG as well as learn about her service learning. But before we get to the hard stuff, let's start with some fun facts to help our listeners get to know you better. So, Candy, if you were a Crayola crayon, what shade or title would you be and why? So, I would say my Crayola crayon name would be Less Bitter, More Glitter. <laughs> I do, glitter is my favorite color. I think that that should be its, its own Crayola color. <laughs> um, I love anything with sparkle, especially sparkly people. Oh, sparkle. Well, okay. you are a sparkly person, That's so true. that is the perfect color for you. All right, so, but you, now, what do you think Lacey's color should be? Uh, 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 uh. Ooh. On the spot. <laughs> Lacey, your color is going to be a, a sassy, sassy magenta. Ooh. Ooh. You seem like a magenta to me. Oh. All right, I like it. I like it, definitely. And what about Kathy's color? Ooh, definitely a green. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I think green when I think Kathy. Ooh, yep. I like green. You're you're mm-hmm. good. You're good, Candy. I yours like sea of tranquility, Kathy. <gasps> really? Like, you're oh, out no. of this world like the moon, but you're <laughs> so. Oh, I love it. So here's our second question. This is a real fun one. If you were quarantined for at least two weeks with three different celebrities and or famous people, dead or alive. Who would, you cho- who would you choose and why? So I would have to go with, um, they're all going to be musicians because I love music. So this just gives you insight into my musical preferences. But I'm going to go with uh, Ed Sheeran because uh, he is my favorite ginger of all time. Brandi <laughs> um, Carlisle, my mm-hmm. ultimate favorite musician of all time. She's amazing. Glad she's finally getting her just deserves now of being famous. Um, I liked her before she was cool. And <laughs> I could do it, sir. I know. I've seen her many times, front row and everything. Awesome. Um, and then Pink. Oh, who doesn't love Pink? Oh, I knew that one was coming. I was waiting for that one. I like she's, it. She's absolutely amazing. So we would just have the, the best time making music in quarantine. Oh. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I love it. This, this is a question we ask all our guests. 
because yep. it's so fascinating what the answers different people have and where their brain goes. So we, we love starting kind of kind of to get to know you a little bit better. But now let's burn off some of this mid-morning oil and get started with our um, nuts and bolts. So, Candy, how did you get involved with the CCG and how did that initial experience lead to your current role that it is today? So I think like a lot of the people that you probably talk to about getting involved with the CCG or even in a lot of things at Wingate, it was really a natural thing that I went to an event. Um, it was actually one of our welcome back events was the first time that um, I saw you, Kathy, and you were talking about the Root Summit um, and you were talking about I, afterwards, we just started chatting about service learning. I don't even know if you remember this. <laughs> I don't actually, which is it's funny because... I remember the gym. That was the first yeah. time we had a really fun conversation in my mind. And uh, But no, tell me more about the Root Summit. It sounds yeah. so much better than the gym. <laughs> well, it was we, we were, it was a welcome back event, and you were inviting people to the Root Summit, to mm. the first Root Summit. And so when you were talking about it, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And you were inviting people to do, um, uh, uh, like, apply for a sort of fellowship thing that you were doing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And afterwards, I caught up with you and just like told you a little bit that I was interested in service learning. But then, yeah, afterwards, we connected when we were at the gym. And so just naturally, I think, like happens at smaller universities, we were able to connect with one another over things that we were passionate about. Um, and that's sort of where it all began. Um, that is so and, yeah. and where did you first meet Lacey? I want to hear <laughs> this story, too. Um, actually, the first time that I ever met Lacey was at, uh, what it was, it was like our, our new faculty orientation and yep. she was one of our, um, more seasoned faculty who was sharing tips and tricks and information. It was like what I wish somebody had told me, mm. um, when I started at Wingate. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, and first and last time I probably will get asked to do that because I think I shared like, I was like, bring sunscreen when it's 9,000 degrees at graduation. And so I think uh, poor Dean Merrill was like shaking his head like, why Why did I make this choice? <laughs> no, it was great. I appreciated it. And I, I had been, um, I, I don't want to say forewarned, that's not the right word, but I have been told by one of my colleagues, Matt Davis, that I would like Lacey and that we would get along. And so when I saw her, we, we caught up and chatted after that. And so that's where we first got to talk with one another. And so it sort of came naturally then when we had, um, we started to have uh, conversations about um, some other ideas and plans that we all had and wanted to work on. And so Lacey and Kathy and I all got together and our first thing that we did was apply for a grant together. Yep. Yes, we and, did. Yeah. And then that, the rest was history. Um, oh, when our, formal CCG came around and I submitted a proposal for a service learning class that I wanted to build. And then also, you know, offering myself up to help with this implementation of service learning for lots of other faculty too. Um, and trying to offer some of my expertise and support for that. And so thankfully, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> and so how long have you been a bulldog? Oh, so I'm going into my third year. Oh, you're a baby bulldog. So yes. exciting. I know. I'm still a puppy bulldog. Oh, yes. <laughs>
So tell us, you, you started to tell us a little bit about your role as service learning and community engagement coordinator. So what is that? What do you do? And I wanted to add a little piece is, what did you bring with you, your history, that, that allowed you to be this fantastic wizardress of service <laughs> learning and community engagement? Yeah, so my background, I'm a developmental psychologist. So most of what I studied throughout my career was um, children's social and emotional development and some of their cognitive development. So their relationships with other people, managing emotions, just learning how children form beliefs about themselves and others. And then as I reached the end of my graduate career, I was like, okay, this is great, but we do all this research in the lab and like, what does this matter for the real world? Like, how can we make this make a difference in the real world? And how all this time and effort we put into research, we want it to really impact our communities and not just be something that I do and write a paper about and three other academics read, and then that's the end of it. It seemed like not really a good use of my time. So I did, um, after I finished graduate school, um, I was a visiting professor for a year, but then I was able to get a great postdoc position at the University of Virginia, um, working with people within the Curry School of Education and their research group called CASEL, which is uh, experts from all various professions, from education, psychology, um, HDFS, all different areas, with the goal of improving teaching and learning. Um, and so that was where I really got to learn more about how these things I studied in the lab could be implemented in classrooms. And specifically what we were looking at was service learning. And so how do we use service learning to improve educational outcomes as well as social and emotional outcomes for kids? So how to communicate with other people, how to manage their emotions, how to respectfully disagree with one another, um, how to problem solve and all of those things. Um, are, are part of service learning. So I got to learn from experts in my field about service learning, what it is, models of service learning, literature and background and theory around service learning, what it does and how to do it well, which mm -hmm. is really important. So um, that's so really I, where I came from. Yeah. And I love that. And you brought all of that into this position. Um, so tell us about this position. Yeah, so what I'm doing right now as a service learning community engagement coordinator is trying to build infrastructure for service learning at Wingate. And so some faculty are already doing some service learning or some faculty are doing things that are at least related to service learning and then others that probably want to do it but don't know where to start. So as part of this role, what I'm working on is to build resources. Um, so that includes trainings for faculty members um, we'll also build um, different um, assessments uh, that we can provide to faculty members um, and then building research assessments. So not just assessment for student learning, but also assessment for the impact of service learning on students generally. And so that I can track that over time and we'll have data to speak to the impact service learning is having on our students. Another big part of that is also building community partnerships. So service learning, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this in just a second, what we mean exactly by service learning, but part of that is we have to have community partners. And so that's part of what I've been working on too. We talked a little bit about the CCG. So for our listeners, I wanted to kind of tell you a little bit is that 
one of the, the core principles is we, we always do and create with our stakeholders, whether on campus or off campus. Um, and, and it resonates the what of the CCG, the triple bottom line, social, economic, and ecological well-being. But the when is looking at improving situations and addressing things today, but also future. So it's an intergenerational approach. And then I love how the how of the CCG, this participatory process, a democratic process, a knowledge democracy. So is this service learning and community engagement? Yeah, what exactly is service learning? Um, help us learn how it works and what it requires its purpose. I know I can speak uh, to how amazing you are just because I am one of the first people that luckily got to use your models and use your input to make my own service learning class because my idea of what service learning was was one of those, like you said, but it wasn't true service learning. So if you could talk to our listeners about what that, your awesome, like real model looks like. Yeah. Model that most of us think about. Yeah, there's like lots of different ways to do service learning. And um, that's what I hope to share with faculty. But generally when we think about service learning, if this is a, a, a pedagogical or teaching approach that integrates community service, meaningful community service with instruction and some reflection to just enrich the, the classes that we're teaching. It also teaches students civic responsibility and gets them civically engaged. And then it generally strengthens our community because we're, we're building um, real world solutions for community problems. So what this might look like then in a class um, is that students learn content within their discipline. Um, they also learn about real community problems from interacting with community partners or organizations. Um, and then students take what they've learned in both of those outlets, the course content and the community knowledge and combine those to propose, plan and implement a service project that addresses a real community need. And that, that's the most simplistic explanation of what service learning um, is. There again are different models and approaches to doing that, um, but those, those components of addressing real world problems um, that's one of the most important that sometimes um, we might be missing in service learning. So it's not just having students go do some community service um, that may or may not be needed, but they need to really be um, investigating and figuring out what real world problems they could be addressing. The other thing is that it has to really link to that curriculum. So strong curriculum links, real community partnerships, and then the final part, which is what I actually think is most often missing in what people um, don't think about in service learning is that it should include student voice. And what that means is that students have to really be a part of planning the service and not just being told, here, go do the service. It's related to your class. Go on. They have to have some role and, and voice in that. And that's one of those what we call high impact practices of service learning. If we use that as part of service learning, then we see improved outcomes for students and improved outcomes for our community members. Absolutely. And some of the research that I've been doing demonstrates that we can retain students better, that they achieve mm -hmm. higher, higher grades in the courses that they're taking, whether it's service learning or not, but also they persist to graduation because they're really rooted in their community. Mm -hmm. They feel a sense of belonging. So all the research is out there that this high impact practice is something that um, is really an important part of a thriving university but also it's a really important part of a thriving community because a university mm -hmm. is not a bubble kind of floating above the, the zip code that we live in. It's actually situated. And how do we have transient students, students that are moving through within four years, 
uh, be rooted to the communities. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's lots of research out there now that shows the benefits of service learning. And then part of what I will be doing in this position is also measuring that impact for our specific university. So when we're able to um, track all of our data over time for students that have um, been able to participate in a service learning course versus those that haven't, and then comparing things like retention rates, academic performance, um, and so we'll have some of that data from our own community to speak to those benefits as well for our students and on our community side. So part of my job is also to um, make sure that when faculty are implementing a service learning class, that they have the tools to measure outcomes in the community that they're working with so we can see benefits on all sides. So this should be a mutually beneficial practice. Absolutely. And I can definitely say, um, at least for us, so... The cool part, again, I'm going to shamelessly plug Candy. Uh, she's not <laughs> Go for it. Go team. Doing it. Uh, <laughs> is that we teach a very similar class across our disciplines. So we got to build service learning into our classes um, at the same time. And so we had quite a big group of students that approached service learning in really unique collaborative ways with our, our um, classes. And so I had several awesome students who actually reconstructed and built my whole class um, kind of from scratch all over again and actually went out and surveyed our, our seniors in Eastern Union County. And so they really had a cool ground up approach um, that they loved and I loved. And so I have tons of videos of them. They, I made them make little video blogs about their experiences and they all have uh, new sets of grandparents now. Like, so that's, yeah, just like you said, they get so invested in it and they, they have a lot of fun. So it's, yeah, it's, it's giving them that voice though, right? And yeah. giving them some real responsibility. And so often in the classroom, it's me as the expert imparting knowledge upon my students. And in this way, we're saying, I can share some expertise with you, but then now you're the expert to build a real world solution, which is what we want students to do in the long run. We hope that they take we're often just hoping that they take what we've imparted upon them in the classroom and then use it in the real world. Well, why wait to see if that happens later on? Have them do it in the class right now, and then we can make sure that they know how to do it, and we can scaffold that for them when they need some assistance. And so giving them that, that voice and that responsibility actually helps them to build those skills. On the faculty side, that can sound a little scary because we're <laughs> so used to the imparting of knowledge piece. Um, so it definitely takes um, some patience, yeah. um, some tolerance for ambiguity and um, open-ended situations. Um, when we're doing service learning, we say, I don't know what a student service project is going to be, right? Like, I don't know yeah. what that's going to look like, and we have to be okay with that. Um, and then just work through things as they go. And as for somebody like me, who's very type A, and I want to have my syllabus with all of my exact things that we're doing down to the letter, um, sometimes we have to be a little bit um, more open-ended with things and give a little bit of that control away because it'll benefit our students. And I think that's the support structure we're trying to build in the CCG in your roles. So how do you help Wingate faculty and students learn about and, and even implement this? Because I think there's a lot of people very excited now after they've listened to you. Yeah. How do you how do you support them in the work that they're doing? 
Yeah, so if this is something that you want to do, if this sounds like all this stuff we've been talking about, you're like, wow, I'd really love to try that. Like, how are, how am I going to get some assistance? Um, a lot of things. So first of all, I'm going to provide all of our faculty members with much more detail than what we've gone over today about what service learning is, how it works, the best practices, so that everything that you're doing is based on evidence um, and you get the biggest bang for your buck. And then I will mentor faculty and sort of walk them through the process of preparing and implementing and assessing the class. So everything from giving sample activities, sample assessments, other teaching materials. We have lots of resources and I've been building a sort of database of these uh, resources that we'll also be putting up um, as a Canvas course as well. Um, and then I'll also help to connect you with relevant community partners. Some faculty might already have those. They might already know community partners or organizations they wanna work with, but if you don't, no fear. We will have those. We'll help you to connect. Um, the, the CCG is a great hub for building community relations between the university and our broader um, Union County community. And so we have those resources to help connect you. Um, um, next uh, semester, we're also starting, and we've already put out our call for applications for CCG apprentices. And so this is relevant for service learning courses, but also for other types of projects or initiatives. But if you're interested in a service learning course and you um, do get one of those apprenticeships, we'll have a whole workshop series that walks faculty through the process through the, the semester, um, but also some workshops that are for just anybody that's interested in service learning as well. And this will give you lots of different tools, like I mentioned, including assessment tools. Um, and then finally, I will help manage this research side. So don't worry, you don't have to worry about uh, doing research or making consent forms or anything like that. I provide all of these research tools so we can track that impact. And, and you help great. negotiate through the RRB process and, yeah. and also <laughs> in a way that allows you, and, and we'll have some writing workshops, how do we write these papers and where are some yeah. of the journals that are, we have service learning journals, there's service learning community engagement journals, there's partnership journals. So you yeah. might be used to um, publishing in a very, you know, a very specific discipline. We will open yeah. and blow your mind as to the the scale of where you can go through peer-reviewed journals and we can help walk through that so that you can add to you know our faculty can add to the academic conversation around service learning and community engagement especially in north carolina yeah absolutely and part of that is there's a reason why i'm not just the service learning coordinator it's service learning and community engagement which includes more than just service learning courses it's also community engaged research and so all of the work that we're doing, whether it's a project or initiative or a service learning course, this research helps to give back directly to the community. So the service that students provide is benefiting the community, but the information that we learn through research also then has to be disseminated back to the community in a way that is beneficial for them. So writing papers that can go back to community partners that help them to make better evidence-based decisions in their organizations, that's also part of what I'm trying to help facilitate. And it's neat because I've already seen that happen. So often uh, nonprofits in our area don't have a lot of infrastructure or support systems. And so we're bringing them together to help this, but also showing them how to do surveys, looking at the language mm -hmm. of their surveys, collecting data. So it's not just us doing too, it's working with and empowering them to be their own advocates and gathering evidence. And it's really exciting to see nonprofits and businesses and, and kind of 
working with our students and our faculty to kind of empower transformation in Eastern Union County. So it really is working with. Yeah, definitely. And they just as an aside, <laughs> absolutely love all of our students. <laughs> oh, they do. They love you guys. So we want to make yeah. sure we can connect you. So Lacey, do you have a question for our fearless leader of service learning here? <laughs> I do. So again, we were talking about working with, but one of our other requirements, again, is the working on the now and the forward. So what are your next steps? What's your trajectory for work this coming year look like? Yeah, so um, definitely our most important thing that we're working on is this um, these apprenticeship applications that I mentioned. So we'll be reviewing those that we receive and picking out our first ever CCG apprentices. So exciting. Um, I, I know. know, it's so exciting. I can't wait. And um, we so. did talk about the name apprenticeship because it, it it's it has a very different connotation as fellowships and things. So why do we pick apprenticeship? Yeah, I think that it's um, this idea of just that we're accepting that we're all lifelong learners. Like I didn't learn this stuff. I wasn't born knowing this stuff. I had to learn all of this too. So is it innate? Um, yeah, it's not, it's not innate. Check out my other podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so we have to keep learning more. Like we all are experts in our fields of study, right? Like I, I might be an expert in developmental psychology, but like learning these new pedagogical tools, um, that's something that we want to do. It also means that you're not alone. You're not like going to a workshop and then bye-bye. Like you are going to continue to have this support and somebody you can reach out to. And so I just thought that that was a really great um, title for what we're doing is it, it, that's really what it is. And then once you're done with it, now you also are a support system for other people. Once you are finished with your apprenticeship, now you can also help support other people that want to do the same thing because you have those tools and skills that you've built. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I got the, I got the experience. Um, that's the cool thing about kind of, I think for the three of us that are on this right now is that we've been working to make the CCG. So we've kind of gotten these experiences before we figured out what these experiences were. So I got to do this apprenticeship role in the spring semester, really, um, working hand in hand with Candy. We would have meeting times. She would help me work on like, okay, this is the way that I approach conversations with my students. This is how we build service learning projects. Even this is the questions that I ask on assignment one to get my kids views on what they want. So for me, that apprenticeship is really like the heavy lifting end of the logistics and learning how to do this stuff. So then that second semester, mm -hmm. you get to move into that project manager role. So now in the spring, when I teach this course again, it's ready to go, it's ready to roll out. And then I'll just get to track and work mm -hmm. with Candy on, here's some weird things that didn't work out the way I thought. What's yeah. your ideas on this? That always um, happens. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. But I think it's just so nice that you you get a guided experience at working in this new or newer exciting area. So really like apprentices in a trade profession. This mm -hmm. is really a trade. You're learning skills for navigating relationships. So I think for me, that's what that kind of apprenticeship label does is it shows that your work has kind of long-term connections with experts in the field, really. Yeah. And yeah. for me, apprenticeship also expanded beyond faculty because often there's a divide between faculty and staff and admin. And, and yeah. so service learning doesn't have to be a course. We have several mm -hmm. student initiatives. We have mm -hmm. several projects that involve, you know, different individuals who are not faculty. 
uh, mm-hmm. per se. And and it the same model works. You're ga- mm-hmm. it's evidence based. You're gathering information. You are are that reciprocal process. So what I love about apprenticeship is that it it kind of blows a little bit up some of the barriers between faculty and staff. So we're, we're encouraging anyone who has an idea, an innovative idea that will help transform Eastern Union County. Um, this is how we do it. We do it in a participatory process and we will walk you through that, what that looks like, whether it's a mm-hmm. course or a project. So yeah, so that's why I loved apprenticeship because it, it allowed for a very different vision of faculty and staff relationships. So, and of course, Harry Potter, well, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of relationships, uh, not to be the Debbie Downer, but we all know that COVID uh, has been interesting on our ability to do service learning. Mm-hmm. So you'd mentioned, we were talking through your trajectory, kind of your next steps, Candy. What do you have coming up um, both, well, yeah, in relation to that question, um, let me backtrack a little bit too. Uh, how did that impact your service learning course? Because I know for my kiddos, um, it definitely, they had to stop the surveys and we kind of focused yeah. on the academic side. But then also for people who are interested in service learning for this fall semester with COVID, what are some things that you are planning um, to kind of help people navigate that gap? Yeah, so I think that this is a, a like the forefront of everybody's mind. It's like, you know, I was in the midst of this. I was implementing a service learning class, right? I do um, adult and aging psychology. My students were out working with seniors in Union County for the entire semester and had planned all of their projects, proposed them to our community partners. They were accepted, and then COVID happened, and we had to completely, unfortunately, in that time, we had to just sort of cancel everything in terms of implementation because it was just so dangerous at that point and we didn't know what was going on and we didn't want to burden our community partners but students still did plan their projects and had created all materials so that we could possibly use them in the future when things are back to some sense of normalcy um but it also brings us to that question of like what do we do like this is a real world problem though now and so now that we have had some time to regroup can you do service learning in COVID time? Like our COVID era? Well, yeah, and that's what exactly what I'm planning to do. So my, I will teach adult and aging psychology again in this fall, um, doing service learning, but in a virtual fashion because our, our older adults still need our help. Um, our older adults, are, people are still doing programming with older adults in virtual ways. And so trying to um, still do something. And I think our then- students have talents and gifts in a virtual world that a lot of us do not, yeah, and our community yeah. partners would love that partnership to be able to navigate this new online mm-hmm. world. Yeah, and that's exactly what has happened. When I've reached out to our community partners, the, all, all the ones that I've talked with so far, they would they want that. They want our students to keep working with them, and they want their talents and skills, and they do have um, talents, especially for navigating uh, digital interaction, and um, so I think that that's important. And then we also know for for learning, mm-hmm. we're going to create um, for our apprentices, we'll have workshops. We know that we can do those if they have to be um, online. We could do them if we need to. We're also creating a Canvas course. So we'll house materials and different um, resources that will walk you through um, just learning more about service learning um, in, a, in our virtual age. And so we'll make sure that we have resources, too, for you all to to think about ways in which you can adapt service learning, um, even if you can't do as much face-to-face stuff. 
as we're kind of coming to the end of our, our conversation, are there a couple of points of advice, like takeaways that you would give to our, our listening audience? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is that um, I would tell people to reach out to me, to anybody in the CCG, um, to just start that conversation. If you're just even considering it, but you're not sure, everything about service learning, I think, sounds a little bit scarier than it is. It sounds like, oh, this is something I don't know anything about. It's going to be so much more work. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be because we're supporting you and we're going to help teach you. Um, and the payoff that you get for service learning is so big. Um, even in my class uh, where I wasn't able to have my students implement I saw improved student learning. I saw increased academic engagement. You can really see how service learning transforms our student experience and the benefits that you see um, with our community partners. Every time I talk to a community partner about our students, they just absolutely light up, right? They're so excited to work with our students um, and, to, and to be able to uh, you know, see their gifts and their talents that it really is a beneficial experience for everybody involved. And so it's worth it. Um, I, I think that we just have to keep remembering that it's a little bit of an investment. It's going to put us a little bit outside of our comfort zone, but it's the experience is so worth it for everybody involved. Absolutely. I can definitely uh, speak to that again as someone who went through it with you. So promise. Um, and I legit had no idea what I was doing before that. So she <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for coming and talking with us. Well, I shouldn't say coming because we are all in our homes, um, <laughs> hanging out on our wonderful Zoom session, but it's perfect. So again, COVID adaptability. Um, I'm going to post a super adorable slash cheesy picture of the three of us practicing social distancing on our social media shortly. Uh, so you can all see us and then know what we're talking about. On no, thank, thank you so much for having me and thank you for talking more about all this work. I'm so excited about it and I can't wait to read um, and hear all of the great ideas that our, our Bulldogs have. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to read through the apprenticeship uh, proposals. So reach out yeah. if you don't know where that link is, if you're not sure of how to apply for this apprenticeship, even if you wanna search it out first and then do it next yep. year, this is gonna be a long-term process, so make sure you kind of reach out and talk to us. I remember one service learning project was, you know, Dr. Stowe emailed me once <laughs> after a two-minute talk that I gave and said, I have had this idea in my head for about five years now. Um, this sounds like the time that I can do it. And her class on economic impact of Wingate University mm -hmm. was amazing. And um, just listening to the students and what they got out of it, but also listening to our campus. So Wingate University campus benefited from the efforts put in for uh, creating kind of a service learning course. So you never know if it's rattling around your brain, something in the back of your mind, reach out, you never know. Yeah, you can email us at ccg at wingate.edu to ask us any questions you have. We have um, both that application process for the apprenticeship we also have just an interest form for the CCG. So if you want to get involved and aren't sure how, uh, we can also send you that one, which is much more broad. Um, and it includes not only faculty and staff, but students, community partners, everybody. So, yeah. And if you have just any questions about service learning generally or anything that we've talked about, always feel free to reach out to me as well. I'm happy to um, always have a conversation or talk. Yay. Well, thanks, Candy.
Yeah. And for the rest of you, stay tuned for some more exciting Against the Grain episodes where we focus on sowing the seeds of change in Eastern Union County. Bye.